This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Pensado Radio, The Jake and Josh Show is SB Nation's official podcast about your Miami Dolphins. Check out Finsider.com for more Miami Dolphins content and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with us on Twitter. Jake can be found at jmendel94. Josh can be found at H-O-U-T-Z or just house. The show is made possible by Dolphins everywhere, so be sure to rate and comment, share your thoughts, and let us know how we are doing. Now, let's get on with the show. The Duke of Miami has arrived at Operation 500 by Christmas is officially completed. How are we doing today? Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show. I am Jake Bendel. Joining me as he does each and every episode of Finsider Radio is the one, the only Joshua House. Josh, what a weird game, but at least we can say it was a win. At least we can say it was a win in the Duke of Miami. I mean, that's great. We need to make sure we uh, you patent that thing immediately. But Jake, what a crazy win. And to think that, you know, after everything we've been through this season, the Dolphins are now sitting here at 500. We made it by Christmas. Just crazy to think of. And with three games to go, man, who knows what could happen? How are you doing today, Jake? I'm great. You know, that's the tough thing about football, though, man. Now I, I'm doing laundry all day. I got to be an adult after just kind of sitting on my couch for, what, 28 hours straight, including the Saturday night game. So we're trying to readjust. But I mean, it's, it's the holiday season. We're feeling a little festive. And Josh Tua was feeling a little festive yesterday. Oh, he was man. handing out a couple of picks left and right. Up. But first, man, what a day. What a day for Duke Johnson, who was kind of the catalyst to Miami's 31 to 24 win over the New York Jets. Josh, we spoke about this a little bit in our pregame show where we were 
pretty excited to see that Miles Gaskin and Selvan Ahmed were coming back. Uh, we saw that depth was going to be there for the Dolphins, at least having a couple of guys they could rotate in and out. Uh, and we wondered two things off of that, though. Does having guys like Selvan Ahmed and Miles Gaskin back mean that Malcolm Brown will be inactive? And are they going to be healthy enough to go back to their original role? And we were kind of iffy on both of those. And on Sunday, Josh, we saw why that was uh, the issue, because Duke Johnson comes out. They barely used Miles Gaskin, and when it was over, I mean, 102 rushing yards, then 22 carries, two touchdowns. Man, this guy was on a mission. He really was, Jake, and I mean, it goes back to, you know, just never giving up in anything, right? I mean, I don't want to turn this into a motivational podcast, but he's, what, 30 years old? I mean, this was his first 100-yard rushing game of his career. I think his first game with two touchdowns. I mean, what a story, and it just goes back to, you know, how we looked at this running back room. I mean, we kind of joked mm-hmm. a few podcasts ago, would they be better with Duke Johnson and Philip Lindsay? I mean, that's a legit question right now. I just could not believe, you know, how well they ran the football, and maybe, um, uh, you know, we got to give a shout-out to that Jets defense, because obviously we can't <laughs> play the Jets. We can't play that Jets run defense every week i mean they had what 183 yards on the ground you know with that game on the mm-hmm. line they grinded it out but um you have a pretty nice comparison here i'll let you say that because that was honestly the first name that popped up when i saw duke johnson out there making players miss yeah it's crazy because you can hear both sides of the running backs don't matter crowd right like you see what the dolphins have done the last two years struggling to find a running back and then you have duke johnson coming in looking like no sean marino against the patriots a couple of years Perfect. ago that's kind of what it felt like where where you just had this guy come in and you know it's just a different change of pace maybe he just works better with the offensive line maybe it's just that chemistry is a little different i mean johnson man he had that one cut and was just able to really go and, and he dictated the game i mean he was carrying defenders kind of like marino did in that game where it was uh the Patriots knew what the Dolphins were going to do. He had a bananas amount of carries and there was nothing you could do. He was just going to keep running the football. And that man, that that's like a Ricky Williams thing. We haven't seen, I'm not calling Duke Johnson, Ricky Williams, but you did it, it, you run him. the football like this is something you, we have JSI, I guess is the, the one example we have. Otherwise, man, this is the closest we've seen to someone take over a game like Ricky would. I love that. And I think I saw a stat somewhere going around. This was the first two touchdown performance from a Dolphins running back since that Ronnie Brown in 2009 or something like that. I mean, crazy to think of that. It's been that long, but I love that no Sean Moreno comparison. I don't know if it was just, you know, the Jersey being similar, you know, just, just like you said, his ability to have that one cut just to continuously get the positive yardage. I mean, how many times after contact was he just, you know, bouncing off players? I mean, you mentioned Ricky Williams. He was throwing those stiff arms out there. Just like we all Mm -hmm. remember Ricky Wood. I guess the only thing I want to say is I went up there that Buffalo Bills game right after that Patriots game. And I don't know if you remember that, Jake, but no Sean Moreno got hurt. He was out for the mm-hmm. year. So I hope it's not the same situation, but just again, what a great game from Duke Johnson. I just loved hearing him talk about his story and how much it meant to him to be able to, to start a game in front of his home crowd, you know, to go out there and have that performance sitting in there watching him with his beanie on and his gold teeth. I mean, uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. And, you know, a part of the game, Jake, that made Duke Johnson, such a valuable, you know, I hate going back to a fantasy player was what he could do as a passing back. And I think mm-hmm. he only had one catch for maybe 10 yards. I forget what it was. He had only had one catch on the day. So that's a whole nother aspect of his game that we could open up. But um, right now, again, for the running backs, for how, you know, up in the air, it seemed it was, I don't know what we're going to do, Jake, moving forward. You know, Miles Gaskin, Philip Lindsay comes back. Now we got Duke Johnson, Salvin Ahmed still hanging around. This seems to be a good problem to have. And again, if the Dolphins can continue to run the football the way they did, these last three games are going to be much more manageable when you're not having to go out there and throw the ball 40, 45 times like we've seen weeks past. Yeah, Josh, uh, Duke Johnson's one reception was for 20 yards. Wow. How dare you yeah. not remember yeah. that? Yeah, I, it, it, was a, it was a nice play. And I don't know. Sorry for under uh, underselling you there. I mean, if we added up, even if we add up the five and 10, I was still short. So I'm sorry. sorry. It was an impressive was... situation, Josh, because the Dolphins offense, like we saw this with gas can happen time and time again, where, you know, he wouldn't, maybe he'd win the one-on-one battles and he'd get like three yards out of it, but 
maybe he'd still get tackled from that guy. Uh, you mentioned Duke Johnson's stiff arm. I mean, he did what he needed to win one-on-one battles and make that second and third guy have to come over and gang tackle him, which has been the unusual thing for this Miami Dolphins backfield this year. That is not something uh, we have seen. Josh, this was a team that kind of, you know, leaned on Duke Johnson. Miles Gaskin played 37% of the snaps, uh, 10 carries for 54 yards. 30 of them came on one carry. I, I'm not going to sit there and nitpick too much, but I thought he played a lot better in that uh, third down role where he kind of got to pick and choose his opportunities where the Dolphins can use him uh, to the best of his strengths compared to having him try to be down there for uh, first, second, and third down. Yeah, I was I was going to interrupt you and just throw that out there because I think we always talked about how Miles Gas can be a perfect complementary back to, you know, one of those RV ones that they get in the draft or, you know, maybe even a Duke Johnson. I mean, we saw him with those fresh legs coming in there when the defense was worn down. He broke off a pretty big play there. So I like that Gaskin role as being, you know, more of a, a complimentary third down back. But Jake, we do have to note, I have Ryan Smith pulled up here and he did mention the offensive line played much better this week. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, when you're able to run the football effectively, you know, obviously it has to do with those guys up front. Liam Eichenberg finished with the highest grade on the offensive line with a 76.3. Um, so a, quite an improvement there from him, that young player that we needed to step up. And then Robert Hunt, I mean, this guy, dude, just seems to be an animal. I mean, he's starting to become that player that we all wanted there at guard. So um, some improvement here, Austin Jackson, 70.4. But obviously, Jesse Davis was at the bottom of the totem pole, the 30. 9.2. So I'd love to see him get replaced this offseason. But again, we're going against a weak Jets defense. You want to see this offensive line come out there and, you know, have an impact on this game. And that's exactly what they did. Miami was almost part of the 200-200 club. Uh, you mentioned it, Josh, 183 rushing yards. They also had 196 passing yards. And I just thought it'd be a good idea to go through each of these drives. I mean, obviously not play by play here, but there was a lot happening in this game, man. It was a really... um Let's say you're playing Madden and you're just doing like the star moments, you know, how you can like simulate to like the big moments. This seemed like every drive, there was something that kind of changed the game. It started first drive, two of fumbles on third and three. Second drive uh, ends with an interception. Josh, I want to ask you right there because the Dolphins are down to us. You know, the, the offense has turned the ball over twice. Five game winning streaks on the line. What was going through your head, man? Because I, I was panicking a little bit. Well, yeah, and you had it written down here. I jinxed him. I mean, that was the first thing I went back to, how he made a point. I brought up how he hasn't, you know, made those boneheaded plays, and then it happened this early in the game, and you mentioned it. I mean, they jumped out to, what, a 10 nothing lead in that first quarter? <laughs> I mean, at that point, you're just thinking, it's like the game of Madden, like you said. When everything just spirals out of control, the computer, you know, is just overpowered, and there's nothing you can do. It felt that way, and it felt like this was going to spiral under control, but thankfully the Dolphins were able to manage and settle down and get this game back on their favor. By the time three drives were over, the team trailed 10 to nothing, and they had seven plays in those three drives. And that's where you're a little concerned that what are they going to do? This is the Jets defense, right? This isn't some uh, one of the stronger units in the world, right? So then, Josh, the fourth drive comes along, and that was Duke Johnson's first touchdown. And, man, this was an interesting stat box because you look, you know, Jalen Waddle wasn't out there. Devontae Parker caught four of eight targets uh, for 68 yards and a touchdown, the game-winning touchdown at the end of the game there in the fourth quarter. Mike Kosicki caught five of eight targets for 43 yards and Isaiah Ford three targets. He caught all three for 51 yards outside of that man. Nobody else really seemed to have targets. What'd you think of how the Miami Dolphins were trying to uh, distribute the ball? Because it did seem like, especially in that first half, uh, the only way they wanted to dis- distribute it was via punt or turnover. And I just want to quick throw out that fumble that happened early on, Jake. Do you think that was just a miscommunication there? Or do you think two was trying to pull that thing down and take it himself? I mean, that early on, you know, on that first drive, that was pretty critical there. So, man, that's a tough one because you have Duke Johnson who just ran seven yards on the previous two plays to set up the third and three situation. Um, 
And that would be an opportunity, right, where you'd kind of pull it back in. I think the one thing that was obvious from the Dolphins this entire game, Josh, is how they built on their game plan and how they've built on their game plan throughout the year. Uh, going for it on fourth and one with Jacoby Brissett is the perfect example. He snuck for it once. He tossed it out to, you know, uh, Duke Johnson for one of them. In the past, he's thrown it. So you kind of see this playbook developing a little bit. So I really don't know what to say in this situation with Tua and the run, because I can certainly see the Dolphins just running it three times. Let's reset the downs and then we can maybe take a shot. But I can also see, hey, this is the perfect time for Tua to maybe break out for a 20 yard run. Who And it's important to keep in mind, Josh, Tua was pretty good on his feet all day uh, yesterday. He was. And I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about now we can get into that truck, but Jake, I just had to, you know, I guess it would probably be more about the reps, you know, between him and Duke Johnson and can't, you know, how many times they practice in this RPO stuff. But as far as the offense, Jake, I mean, if Duke Johnson wasn't, you know, having success on the ground and do what he did, I mean, this game obviously could have been much different. I mean, Devontae Parker had that game that we kind of expected, but Gasicki was, you know, on the quiet side. I love that you brought up Isaiah Ford. Can't believe he's Mr. Reliable now. I mean, he had a couple <laughs> nice catches and every time he got up, he did this shimmy where he's just, you know, he's just playing cocky and it's what you like to see. So I was hoping someone else would step up. You know, I thought maybe Matt Collins would have a bigger day, maybe Albert Wilson, but it came down to just being Devontae Parker, Mike Gesicki, obviously Isaiah Ford. But again, if they didn't have that running game to rely on, it would have been a long day. But I do love the way you mentioned them setting things up there, though, Jake. I was a little upset when Jacoby Brissett came into the game, didn't really understand it. Uh, you know, I think he got stopped. Then he did that toss to Duke Johnson, who once he got out there in space, I mean, it was game over. I'd like to see more of those outside runs. I mean, is this a Duke Johnson thing? Is this just something they're starting to realize works? I don't know. But um, I guess at the end of the day, Jake, what it all comes back to is this team just needs Jalen Waddle out there. I mean, just what type of playmaker he's been with the Dolphins. I mean, we need Jalen Waddle healthy and we need him out there as soon as we can. Wilson played uh, 58% of snaps. Josh caught one of two targets for nine yards and ran the ball once for a whopping one yard. So I guess the best way to ask this question is like fetch, man, do we have to stop trying to make Albert Wilson a thing playing 60% of the snaps? They try to use him as like that Swiss army kind of player where you're going to toss him the ball basically just try to get it to him in space and it just does not seem to be working out um it seems like there was another play this week where he wanted to run back behind the line uh first out mark and then run forwards uh past it again so it's just things like that you wonder how much the Dolphins can really rely on this to be part of the offense yeah and I mean I guess at this point it's just time Wilson gang gang you know all that propaganda I've build up over the years, it's time to just move on. I don't, I think you're right. I mean, I think Christian Wilkins now has more touchdowns this year than Albert Wilson, right? I think there were a couple <laughs> players on the roster. So um, I don't know if you'll talk about that, Jake, but what an awesome scene that was to see Christian Wilkins leap into the crowd. I mean, that was awesome. Duke Johnson ties the game at 17, and then that sets the stage for Christian Wilkins catching the touchdown pass. And this, Josh, I just mentioned it. You know, we're talking about the runs and on fourth down where they're kind of developing a playbook for Brissett there to run it up the middle, to toss it outside, to throw it. There's a bunch of film out there of Christian Wilkins being a blocker. He's ran the ball before. I mean, this is just another step in that direction where the coaching staff is trying to stay one step ahead and make the defenses kind of fall asleep a little bit in the sense of having Christian Wilkins running out on a little route there. That was awesome to see, Josh. But I do have to say, I mean, Miami... I don't know when the last time you've been down there, but those are like luxury suites right there. That is not no Lambo leap where you're jumping into a bunch of like 40 year old guys who are wasted and want to like pick you up. I mean, Christian Wilkins, he jumped onto like two people. <laughs> I was a little scared because he is a big, big man. Yeah, we all know what he did to Preston Williams, right? Uh, wink, wink. I mean, I guess I feared for the ladies' life and definitely the guys when he jumped up there. But it was just an awesome scene to see. And you're right, man. I mean, they have been setting up the film. And we see Christian Wilkins out there a lot now on the goal line. I don't know that they've given him many carries yet out of this formation. But, I mean, I think the guy on the TV commentator, you know, kind of circled 
Christian Wilkins before the play happened, you know, kind of mm-hmm. saying, watch out for this guy. With that touchdown, uh, Christian Wilkins becomes the first defensive player in the NFL to score on the offensive side since Landon Roberts' 38-yard touchdown run with the New England Patriots on December 29, 2019. It was Christian Wilkins' second career receiving touchdown, making him one of only three active defensive players in the NFL to score multiple offensive touchdowns. I think he's tied with Sheldon Richardson, and J.J. Watt has three. So a pretty cool stat there for Christian Wilkins. Again, I think we need to get him more involved in some of these trick plays because um, those celebrations, man, the worm followed by the spin Rooney, I mean, uh, that was just wild to see. And happy birthday, Christian Wilkins. Got to make sure we throw that out there. Robert Hunt flew so uh, Christian Wilkins could do the worm. I think that's how this uh, – so this whole Dolphins, season's really Dolphins haven't lost into. since that, right? They haven't lost since that? Crazy, man. That was... God, what a season. Could you imagine telling us when it was 1-7 that uh, by Christmas this team would be 500? I mean – there, there's no way you would ever see that coming. Josh, the next two drives, fumble on a weird fake punt, followed by Tua's pick six. So let's start with the fake punt. Uh, the Dolphins ended the day by losing the turnover battle three to one. Man, I don't know if signing Clayton uh, Fajetalum, I, I can't even pronounce his last name. I apologize for that. Um, I don't. I, there's two plays that all of a sudden stick out to me. It's the play that happened yesterday where the ball kind of hit him in the face mask and went full Brandon Fields. And then there was the play last year. Uh, Tyree Kill just kind of took the top on the defense and burned him deep. And the Dolphins ended up losing that game because, Josh, this was such a weird play. It wasn't. I still don't know if it was a design fake. I mean, I just think it was a misunderstanding between the center and Fajetalum. I, I can't, I'm, I'm just going to say Clayton between Clayton. I mean, I don't know why the Dolphins signed him other than for depth and, you know, again, special teams. I mean, he does some of those gritty things where, whether he's a gunner, you know, in this situation blocking, but that play, I mean, it just made you wonder what the hell's going on. And, you know, for a second there, you just thought, you know, this Dolphins team reverted back into the old Dolphins team. And at that point I was a little bit worried. Then Josh, the defense, we're going to get to the defense. Cause I mean, that was such a fun, fun, uh, at least second half Can't wait. defensive performance to watch. Uh, but the defense shuts them out after the fumble. They fumble away that drive. Then, man, Tua throws that back-breaking pick six, ties the game at 24, and that you got to be hitting the panic button there because all of a sudden now, uh, after feeling kind of good, you could run the football, you go ahead and do something like that to, to even the game. But at the same time, it never really felt like the momentum was out of Miami's hands just for the sake of how that defense performed. Yeah, and I mean, that's so much different than normal, right? I mean, I don't know. When we went down 10 nothing, I just thought, you know what? Okay, guys, you can battle back into this. I mean, after that pick six, man, I mean, that just – the one earlier in the game I felt like I jinxed, but that pick six, that was just – that was dreadful, man. As soon as that ball left mm-hmm. his hands, you knew it was going the other way. I think what was most impressive, though, Jake, was after that pick six, the way he bounced back. He led a nine-play, 75-yard drive. Obviously, a lot of that was on the ground with Duke Johnson. I think they had 21 yards from Duke, 34 from Gaskin. But the way they were able to bounce back, move the ball effectively down the field, and then, you know, I think he had a big play to Devontae Parker earlier in the game, and then this one, man. I mean, it was a little bit back. Uh, it was a bad ball. I mean, it was back shoulder. It looked like a little bit behind Devontae Parker, but he adjusted well, made that grab, man, and uh, that changed everything. Yeah, that game-winning drive, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, you get the win. Quarterback wins, that's something we used to always complain about with uh, Tannehill. But, man, division rival, they were able to kind of put something together. I will – I am got I got to throw a flag on you on that final drive, man. Two of through two passes on that entire drive. Yes, it was a great play uh, to on, with Devontae Parker on the slant. He knew he had the leverage and was able to beat him on the inside. But, Josh, this drive, Mike Kosicki, nine-yard reception, nine-yard run, eight-yard run, 30-yard run, four-yard run, 12-yard run one yard run incomplete, and then the touchdown pass. It's incredible, man, when you don't need your quarterback to do everything, he can make that one play you need. Uh, But I think this 
goes back to how this is a full team performance. I can't really say that Tua led that touchdown drive. He was a part of it for sure, a big part of it. Uh, but man, this running game deserves all the credit, even for that drive, despite the fact Duke didn't score it. Yeah, you're right. I'm going to blame the Miami Dolphins. Their post-game notes definitely <laughs> said Tua Tungvalu led another fourth quarter drive. Well, so the I, I didn't, I didn't re- say that. Yeah, but I didn't realize he only threw two passes for F's sake. I mean, come on. And I think it goes back to that last game. We saw said who was going to step up. I think we said, you know, let's hope this run game does enough. And that's exactly what they did. So it's so impressive that they just gashed him on the ground and Dolphins came out, man. I- I'm glad they didn't force it either because you think about it, man. When every time Tua was intercepted, it was to the outside. The Dolphins ran the football to the inside and it worked time and time again. That leads me to believe that's what the Jets wanted the Dolphins to do, right? They wanted to take away the outside. They know that's where Tua can really get going is when he rolls out uh, and he uses the boundary as his friend. So, I mean, the Jets had a good game plan in place, but it's kind of nice to see the team put something together where they can build on an opponent's weakness and let them say, Hey, play your game script. We're not going to try to overcome it and beat you in like an arm wrestle. We're going to just going to kind of try to give what you, uh, or take what you give us, I guess. Yeah. And I think that just, I mean, this is twice now, right? Didn't we come on here the last podcast after the giants game and say Tua looked a little up and down. I mean, this might arguably been his worst game of his career and he still went out there and made, you know, some pretty damn nice throws. I mean, you could see why the dolphins drafted him where they did. I mean, I think, you know, heading into this, Final three games, Jake, do you think the Dolphins have any idea, you know, all those rumors aside, are they going to stick with Tua now? Did he do enough to to play himself into that role? Are they still going to go after Deshaun Watson? I mean, I think there's a fascinating situation playing out here. And honestly, I don't know if the Dolphins mind have been made up until these last three games. And, you know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. That, man, that... That's the one thing separating uh, the GMs, right? We don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I think we're pulling away from we desperately need a quarterback and we're entering... Laramie Tunsil uh, territory in the sense of if there's a deal, that's awesome. And we can't say no, we're going to do it. Otherwise, we're just chill it. I think that's where the Dolphins are starting to approach. Obviously, I'm not in their heads. I have no idea what they're thinking. Uh, but Tua has done enough, man. You're winning these games. I know quarterback wins. We can sit here and yell about that um, as much as we want. But he's a rookie qu- or second year quarterback on that rookie deal. Uh, you bring in a few more pieces and it seems like this offense could be going somewhere. It seems like the Dolphins have the right guys in place to establish an offense around Tua that is successful. And I think that's the biggest thing from before the trade deadline, when we were all panicking, are they going to trade for Watson when the team was one and seven? This was an offense that did not look like it was created for the weapons the Dolphins had. Like it didn't seem like an offense built for Tua. We saw how much Jacoby Brissett struggled with it. But, you know, hey, you give it some time. You stop thinking about it as a, uh, you know, 24-hour news cycle. And you see that, hey, maybe these offensive coaches can identify strengths and maybe they're headed in a direction where they can do enough with this defense with Tua to um, accomplish what they want. Let us pray, Jake. I just can't get it out of my head. You know, the fact that he's going out there and pretty much doing everything that, you know, the Dolphins, you would have thought, expected him to do when they drafted him. I mean, so I'm so torn and I go through it every day in my head. You know, what are the Dolphins thinking? What are they doing? And let's be honest, no one truly knows. Jake, I think we discussed the offense enough. Let's jump into a break. And when we come back, we will talk about that Miami Dolphins defense that completely shut out the New York Jets in the second half. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are... 
It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hip. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Josh, the Dolphins allowed 17 points in the first half to the New York Jets. Zach Wilson led New York Jets. They gave that up to Joe Flacco an entire game. They didn't have Elijah Moore. The Jets went five for five for 55 yards on the first drive. And then only 71 more passing yards the rest of the way. I'm going to keep going back to it about how this coaching staff, I think they kind of uh, have their base game plan and then they kind of sprouts different branches off of it. We saw a base defense for that entire first half and we saw the Jets take advantage of it. All of a sudden, man, you go into that half, you make those adjustments, you start blitzing him, and all of a sudden, I think there was four drives. We're get, we'll get into it in a second, but four drives that end in sacks or pressures and enforces incompletions. It just is impressive to see this defense kind of morph and grow, not week to week, but quarter by quarter. Yeah, Jake, and you're, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, this is kind of what you want to see from this coaching staff. You know, when they hired Brian Flores, when we thought about how awesome this defense could be, I mean, it was part of the way they adjusted, the way they could game plan, you know, throughout the game and attack these defenses. You mentioned how well Zach Wilson played. I'm going to pat myself on the back because just like I jinxed to a tongue of a low with those interceptions, I tweeted out his stat line. I think it was six for six for 66 yards and something else. And I just said, this dude's the devil. And ever since then, you know, it all went downhill. <laughs> so I'll take credit for that. But Jake, I mean, it was just night and day from what we saw in the first half. You know, you mentioned the secondary, just how well they played or less in three consecutive games. The last time Miami had a streak like that was October 16th, 1994 to November 6th, 1994. So Dolphins defense is playing pretty damn good right now, Jake. One interesting note I want to throw out there came from the Miami Dolphins. They said the Dolphins have a limited opponents to 250 yards or less in three consecutive games. The last time Miami had a streak like this was from October 16th, 1994 to November 6th, 1994. So, Jake, you know, long story short, the Miami Dolphins defense is playing pretty damn good right now. I was just a few months old when that happened. Oh, shut so up. Yeah, I hope you feel <laughs> I was seven. I feel like a grandpa. Yes, thank you. Travis Wingfield sent out a fire tweet this morning where he said Byron Jones and Xavier Howard were targeted a combined five times for one reception and nine yards. Byron Jones, I think he had a couple nice uh, pass breakups where he got his hands involved in there. This is a duo, man, that has been worth every single penny. And, you know, as much as you want to kind of stand strong and, you know, you signed a contract, blah, 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 blah. I mean, Xavier Howard was worth every single cent and renegotiating. And I think that's pretty clear at this point. Is there, I mean, is there a conclusion to that though? I mean, aren't we going to be in the same situation this off season with Xavier Howard or am I wrong? Cause I, I, I honestly, right. I honestly don't know, but that Byron, <laughs> that Byron Jones, uh, the one play I think they gave up was the last one, right? Where the, receiver ran the route right short of the sticks and they tackled him. And I think that was fourth down and the game was over. So pretty crazy stuff there, Jake. And it just goes back to showing how well, you know, the secondary has played. Speaking of the secondary though, they could not play as well as they, they do without how those guys up front. I mean, Emmanuel Agba has been a menace this year. Jake leads the league with 10 batted balls. The next two behind him only has seven. Um, 
it just what we've seen out of this Dolphins defensive line. I mean, it's just you're trying to figure out how to get these guys more involved. I think Zach Seal only played 28 snaps. What a game he had, Jake. So um, I, I like to see what Agba's been doing. And I guess that goes back to the Xavier Howard stuff. Are the Dolphins going to pay Emmanuel Agba? I mean, he's a guy that needs to get a new contract, right? Is he worth it? Is he going to be worth that price tag, Jake? I mean, Dolphins have a lot of decisions, but thankfully they have tons of money to spend. Josh, this defensive line, this pass rush is starting to look pretty special. And, you know, I think we're getting caught up on snaps and snap percentage a little bit too much just for the sake of you think about that defensive line and how much players rotate. I mean, we can't sit here and confidently say that playing Zach Sealer twice as much means his production is going to be twice as good, right? I think maybe there's part of this that they, you know, Could mean it's worse, guys right? in enough. Yeah, exactly. He has just enough rest. He's used in the right situations. I mean, I'm all for what, what's happening with this defensive line. It seems like everybody's thriving in their own ways, even if it means Christian Wilkins has to go catch a touchdown. Everyone on this defensive line is going to do something. Yeah, and I think I maybe it's just us as Dolphin fans. You know, we, we look at those guys like a Mike Kosicki and think, you know, throw him the bag. But Emmanuel Agba, I mean, I don't know that this defensive line would be what it is, you know, if you move a piece like that. So uh, I guess it just goes back to just everyone doing their job, Jake, and having a versatile role in this defense. I mean, the Dolphins had six sacks yesterday. Two came from Jerome Baker, one from safety. Brandon Jones, linebacker, Andrew Van Ginkle, Zach Sealer, and Emmanuel Ogba each had one for Baker. It was his third multi-sack game of his career. He had two and a half sacks on December 1st. So those that Dolphins defense, you know, again, the secondary latched down. Without Elijah Moore, was probably a lot easier. But that Dolphins defense feasted this Sunday on Zach Wilson. And now, I guess, Jake, the only thing we're waiting for is to find out if he's going to cut his hair, right? Man, if Zach Wilson cuts his hair, that would be absolutely hilarious. That second half, though, to kind of give you the spark notes version of it, punt, punt. Fumble, punt, punt, downs. Uh, Van Ginkle, you mentioned his sack. That ended the second drive of the second half for the Jets. Sealer forced fumble ends the next drive. Jerome Baker gets his sack to end the next drive. It's just impressive as hell to see where the Dolphins need that one guy to make a play. And they've been doing it. And this is also against the team. Like, we can sit here, look at the Jets record. And, you know, I'm going to break out the homer, you know, try to lighten the blow a little bit here. But Divisional game, you saw the Jets pull out all kinds of tricks from the laterals to, uh, you know, whatever it may be. And it's just kind of uh, it's nice to see the team adjust and kind of make Wilson uh, nervous a little bit, even though he could scramble for 20 yards at any time and make you want to rip your hair off. He did at times, didn't he? I mean, you could see the promise there. I mean, I, I was a big Justin Fields guy, but you could see the promise there. And let's just hope Zach Wilson reverts back to the player, you know, we've seen throughout the first few weeks. But uh, Jake, I think it what makes me laugh most is the fact that, you know, how well the Dolphins were with takeaways last year. Everyone kind of joked, you know, they can't keep this up. They can't keep it up. And maybe that was true throughout the losing streak. But right now, I mean, the, what the Dolphins defense is doing looks exactly like what we saw last year where they were just able to mm -hmm. control the game, take the ball away. And, you know, when they needed a big play, someone would come up. I mean, that Zach Sealer, I think he'd swim through one guy, bulldoze through another one, knock the ball out. I mean, relentless effort. And I think it's just I don't know, man. We were so down on this coaching staff and the, their different tendencies and those things earlier in the year. Now, I just want to sit here and say, you know, what they're doing is awesome. Lock them all up long term, man. We're seven and seven right now. And I feel as good as, you know, we've felt all season, Jake. Before we wrap this up, I want to bring up two things. The Dolphins announced that Philip Lindsay and Jalen Waddle will be coming off the reserve COVID-19 list. And Brian Flores also spoke about Will Fuller. It sounds as though he might be out for the season. So give me your thoughts on those things, Jake. I mean, I don't think we're too surprised about Will Fuller. I kind of think that's where we thought this was headed. But to get Philip Lindsay back, Jalen Waddle back, you know, heading into this Monday night game against the New Orleans Saints, we're going to need him because that defense looks scary good against Tom Brady and the Bucs. Yeah, held the Bucs scoreless last night. I think that was a nine to nothing final. My fantasy and team hurt, was hurting from that. 
And last thing we want is Jason Sanders to get into a, a field goal kicking match because it just seems like uh, that's something where that's just not a situation where it seems like that's one hell. of Miami's strengths. That's hell this year. It, Any <laughs> other year we love that, but not this year, please. The the even years we love it. The odd years is when he struggles. So keep that in mind. So Josh, you look you look at what Waddle brings to the table. You look at what Lindsey brings to the table. I think. 100% these are two guys the Dolphins are going to need. They're going to need to try to squeeze out any points they can get. So hopefully them coming back sorely in the week means they have this extra time to rest up. It means hopefully they're rebounding from whatever symptoms they may have. I mean, I don't know. They keep that stuff pretty close to chest, and I, I don't blame them one bit. So, Josh, it's good to see them back. Javon Holland remains on the list, so we hope he's starting to feel better soon, and hopefully he will be back in the lineup too. Uh, will Fuller, man, it's a little disappointing. It's a little depressing, and, you know, if – you're Chris Greer. If you can sign him again next year for five mil, is that something you do? I, I think I would, but I mean, I think there's probably a lot more behind the scenes here. I mean, I, I don't know. I hate to assume, but I think if, you know, number four was here from Houston, I think Will Fuller might've been out there a little sooner, but again, I'm just speculating. Yeah, that could definitely be it. I just wonder because now that the Dolphins are kind of winning, I mean, Will Fuller was someone who kind of sat around for how bad that last season was with the Texans. So, I mean, I don't think he's someone who is going to kind of look down his nose, but you, you could definitely be right that he thought that Watson was going to be here. And that was just kind of and, the only thing. And maybe he feels smited because nothing ever came of it. I, I don't know. Yeah. And you know, at the same time, this dude's in a contract year now, right? I mean, yes, he got the money from the dolphins, but now he needs to go out there and hopefully get paid again. I mean, I know that sounds real heelish coming from a, us dolphin fans after he just sniped us for $10 million, but you know, we don't know the situation. And uh, again, I just look at how explosive Will Fuller was at the beginning of the year, how excited I was for the prospect there. Why not, man? $5 million for a year. Prove it. Why not? Let's do it. Well, Josh, I think that wraps it up. The holidays are here. We're all feeling festive and jolly, especially being seven and seven. The Duke of Miami is here. And all of a sudden, man, we have three weeks of very interesting football ahead of us. Saints on Monday night, the Titans the week following and then finally, you're back at home, Hard Rock Stadium, to end the season with the New England Patriots. Man, I am so, so grateful we have three fun weeks left to talk about football. Hopefully fun weeks. I guess it can really go downhill at any time. But, hey, man, this is so much better than what we had. We'll be back midweek or so, Josh, with something about maybe more injuries, maybe hopefully guys taking off the list or whatever updates we could maybe find about that Saints game. We'll be back. And like Jake said, we're grateful to be able to be 500 and sitting here in the hump, but we could not be more grateful for all of you guys. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast and supporting us. Please, if you can subscribe, leave us a five-star review. And as always, reach out to us on Twitter. You can find me at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. And that is my great co-host, Jake Mendel. You can follow him at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. We will be back midweek to preview Monday's matchup against New Orleans Saints. For the Jake and Josh Show, I'm Josh Houts. That's Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you next time. Fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins.
Miami has a dolphin, the greatest football team. We drink the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins.